chapter thirteen of the splendid outcast by george gibbs this librivox recording is in the public domain recording by tony oliva beginning a journey it would have been easy for quinlevin to have shot him in the back and at the moment jim horton wouldn't much have cared if he had he went down the stairs slowly across the court and out into the street wandering aimlessly bareheaded with no sense of any intention or direction there's no divorce but death moira's words rang again and again in his brain that was a part of her creed her faith her religion she had once spoken of what her church had always meant to her her mother she had called it and she was true to her convictions there's no divorce but death the revelation of her beliefs was not new to him yet it came to him with a sense of shock that she had chosen at the last to remain with harry and quinlevin and all the degradation that the association meant to her it had been a choice between two degradations and force of habit had cast the last feather into the balance in the bitterness of his own situation isolated outcast with no hope of regeneration he tried to find it in his heart to blame her but the thought of the pain and bewilderment he had seen in her eyes made him only pitiful for her misfortunes it seemed as though the shock of the many revelations of the evening had deadened her initiative enfeebled her fine impulses and made her like a dependent child at the mercy of custom and tradition and he could not forget that he had gone to her asking nothing expecting nothing and that in spite of all the barriers that she recognized between them in spite of the deception he had practiced she had still clung to him and even acknowledged him in the presence of her husband and the man she called her father love had glowed in her eyes and in her heart lifting her for a time above the tragic mystery of her origin and the broken ideals of a lifetime it was almost enough for him to ask of her it didn't seem to matter much now what happened to him but almost unconsciously he found himself casting an occasional glance over his shoulder to see if he was followed he had no fear of harry his brother had shown to-night in his true colors but the picturesque scoundrel whose name moira bore was clearly a person to be reckoned with why quinlevin hadn't taken a pot-shot at him on the stairs was more than jim horton could understand unless some consideration for moira had held his hand the impulse of fury that had made him draw his revolver had faded but their controversy was still unsettled and jim horton knew that the one duty left him must be done at once after he had told what he knew to de vautrin quinlevin could try to kill him if he liked but not before would the memories of the past prevail in moira's relations with quinlevin would he be able to convince her that she was the duke's daughter 
he remembered that most of what he had heard from his place of concealment could be susceptible of a double interpretation under the skilful manipulation of the resourceful irishman jim horton knew that piquette had told him the straight story from harry's own lips but he could not violate her confidence by using her name it meant danger for piquette from quinlevin and perhaps a revelation of her breach of pochard's confidence and a greater danger even from tricot he knew that he must move alone and reach the ear of de vautrin at once with his testimony he approached the cafe of leon javet when he heard the light patter of feet behind him and stopped and turned it was piquette divested of her fine raiment and dressed in the simple garb of a midinette jim she said i have been waiting for you outside oh piquette you must not go in javet's come mon ami to the other side of the street why piquette he asked curiously because tricot and le singe are looking for you and they will watch javet's hm who told you this but he let her take him by the elbow to the darkness opposite pochard the house in the rue charon is watched by the police they are afraid you will give the evidence they needn't worry just now he muttered i've something else to do but you must keep away from the quartier i expect to i'm going away piquette jim where to nice i've got to see your friend de vautrin at once ah de vautrin she walked along with him for a moment in silence where is your at mon ami he ran his fingers through his hair aware for the first time of his loss i left it in the rue de tavennes yes ah you must tell me come to the boulevard clichy it is safer i've taken a lodging in the rue jean paul no she insisted you must take no more chances on this side of the river just now nor must i you mean that they suspect not yet but they will if they see us you and i you can't run that chance piquette we are quite safe in the boulevard clichy come and so he yielded to her persuasions and followed her by a roundabout way across the pont carrousel and so toward their destination while he told her in general terms of the events of the evening she listened putting in an exclamation or a brief question here and there but made no comments until they reached her apartment where she made him comfortable in her best chair gave him a cigarette and getting out of her street dress slipped into her dressing-gown to the western mind unused to the casual ways of the atelier this informality might have seemed indecorous but jim horton was deeply absorbed in his own thoughts and for the moment did not think of her and when she drew her robe around her and took up a cigarette she seemed for the first time to be aware of his abstraction to piquette's mind those things which were natural to her must be natural to every one else and this after all is only the simple philosophy of the child as she curled herself up on her chaise longue and lighted her cigarette he smiled at her well mon jim she said 
what you think of monsieur canlevin she pronounced it canlevin he's just about the smoothest proposition that ever happened he replied he'd have gotten me if i hadn't moved in close and harry he did nothing no just stood there he's lost his nerve again he won't bother me but the irishman is in this game for keeps he is dangerous mon ami you had better not go on with this affair yes piquette i must he said quietly i got into the situation by being a moral coward i'm not going to get out of it by being a physical one besides i've promised who myself it's a duty i owe he paused to madame Morton, and what thanks do you get she shrugged expressively a bullet or a knife in the ribs perhaps you have already almost enough been shot and beaten mon vieux and yet here i am quite comfortable in your best chair and none the worse thanks to you piquette but you cannot always be so lucky i would be very unhappy if you were killed mon jim would you piquette he said taking her hand impulsively and kissing it gently and then it is too late to be unhappy she sighed and put her other hand over his oh mon jim life is so short so sweet it is not right to take a chance of dying before one's time i don't want to die just yet and i don't expect to but life doesn't mean a whole lot to me it's too complex you understand difficile he gave a sigh and sank back in his chair relinquishing her fingers i guess i was meant for the simple life he said with his slow smile she was silent for a moment regarding him soberly what has happened mon ami she has let you go he paused frowning at the ash of his cigarette what else could she do he asked quietly i asked nothing expected nothing of her then you cannot be disappoint said piquette dryly she is not worth the trouble you run a risk of being killed to save her from her husband who is a vaurien you offer her the best you have and she send you away alone into the darkness you think she loves you Saperlot, what she knows of love if i love a man i would go with him to the end of the world no matter what he is he sat watching her as she spoke listening to the clear tones of her voice watching the changes in her expressive features i believe you would piquette he muttered and you she went on shrilly you who have saved her husband from disgrace you who win in the croix de guerre and then go into the darkness an outcast she let you go she let you go Shh, he broke in she had to i understand she is a catholic she paused and then went on why has she married your brother if she does not love him la la she stopped and shrugged her pretty shoulders perhaps you understand now mon petit jim why i have not married you not unless i love and then her voice sank into a tense whisper and then until death i would be true yes piquette 
you are that sort but this he glanced about the room she shrugged as she caught his meaning monsieur has much money why should i not be content as well as someone is deep in his heart he was sorry for her but he could see that she was not in the least sorry for herself and the unconventionality of her views the total lack of moral sense seemed somehow less important than the rugged sincerity of her point of view and the steadfastness of her friendship and you have never loved well enough to marry he asked no mon jim she said gently their glances met his level and friendly and it was her look that first turned away no mon jim she repeated slowly one does not meet such a man until it is too late she gave a sharp little gasp and sat facing him and i speak of my troubles when you have greater ones of your own i want to help you mon ami you have in your mind a duty to do with monsieur the duc de vautrin you have make me think perhaps it is my duty too i've got to see him at once before quinlevin does eh bien he's on the riviera nice we shall find him we oui. parfaitement perhaps i can make it easier for you to see him you'll go with me why not unless you do not want me of course i'll be only too happy only what mon petit it seems a great deal to ask you've already done so much no she said with a smile it will perhaps be safer for both of us away from paris and you are unhappy will i perhaps not cheer you up a little there's no doubt of that piquette i would like to go with you it will give me pleasure if you do not mind but monsieur the duc je ne me fiche pas besides shall i not now be doing him a service yes that's true he stopped as a thought came to him the duke suspects something what made him go to ireland and question nora burke perhaps i talk a little too much that night has he spoken of it since yes but i told him nothing i did not wish to get harry in trouble but now she shrugged and lighted a fresh cigarette i do not care what happened to harry or monsieur quinlevin it is only what happens to you that matters mon jim but in befriending me you've made enemies of all that crowd not unless they find out it is you who are in danger after what you have heard to-night you are more dangerous to quinlevin than ever i gave him his chance he didn't take it but he'll make another chance you do not know that man even tricot is afraid of him well i'm not he thinks the world owes him a living but he wouldn't last half an hour out in the country where i come from he's clever enough to put it over moira all these years yes mon jim and he may put it over still now that you go from her perhaps he muttered with a frown but that doesn't matter she's not de vautrin's daughter or his i'd take an oath on it i've got to clear her skirts of this dirty mess she wouldn't come they've got her there now 
a prisoner she can't help herself i can't be losing any time he rose suddenly as though aware of the passage of time and took a few paces away from her not to-night said piquette the first train i've got to go and find out she glanced at the small enameled clock upon the mantel it is too late there would be no fast express until the morning very well i'll see and he strode toward the door at the hotel gravelotte at the corner you will find out but wait she had sprung up and running out of the apartment returned in a moment with a soft hat which she gave him thanks piquette you're my good angel i do seem to need you don't i i hope you do mon vieux she said quietly and then go and hurry back i will wait for you thus it was that the next day found jim horton and piquette together in a compartment of the marseilles express on their way to the riviera jim had managed to get reservations in a train which was now running regularly and then after advising piquette had returned to his lodgings in the rue jean paul to meet her at the gare de lyon at noon piquette seemed to have thought of everything that he had forgotten and greeted him with an air of gaiety which did much to restore his drooping spirits it was very cosy very comfortable in their compartment a deux and piquette looked upon the excursion from the angle of the child ready and willing to take a new pleasure in anything curiously enough she had travelled little only once to the cote d'azur and looked forward with delight to the southern sunshine the blue of the sea and the glimpse of the world of fashion which was once more to be seen upon the promenade des anglais the passing landscape she greeted with little childish cries as she recognized familiar scenes the upper reaches of the seine juvisy and then arpajon etampes and orleans and jim horton sat watching her detached by her magnetism from the gloom of his thoughts aware of the quality of her devotion to this newly found friend for whom with joyous carelessness she was risking the goodwill of her patron the displeasure of her bloodthirsty friends of earlier days and even perhaps her very life she was a new event in his experience giving him a different meaning for many things there had been no new passages of anything approaching sentiment between them and he watched her curiously it seemed that what she wished him to understand was that she was merely a good friend that he could tie to and be understood by even when he took her hand in his a natural impulse on jim's part when it lay for a moment beside him she only let it rest there a moment and then gave a careless gesture or made a swift useful motion which dispelled illusions and exorcised sentiment and yet of sentiment of another sort she was full fairly bubbling over with sympathy and encouragement inviting him to share her enjoyment of the gray and brown pastoral from the car window peaceful beautiful and untouched by the rough hand of war it was a kind of friendship he couldn't understand 
and wouldn't have understood perhaps even if he had been skilled in the knowledge of women and yet there it was very real very vital to him in all its beauty and self-effacement whatever her past her strange philosophy of life her unique code of morals he had to admit to himself that she was a fine young animal feminine to the last glossy hair of her head and compact of splendid forces which had been diverted of virtues which refused to be stifled by the mere accident of environment but most of all was she that product of the latin quarter which knows and shares poverty and affluence friendship and enmity the gamine the bonne camarade she thought nothing of her exploit in rescuing him from the house in the rue charon nor would she permit a repetition of his admiration and gratitude the impulse that had driven her to the rescue was spontaneous he was one she knew an american soldier a friend of france in trouble was not that enough as the day wore on piquette grew tired looking at the scenery and after yawning once or twice laid her head quite frankly upon his shoulder with all the grace of a tired child and immediately went to sleep jim horton smiled down at her with a new sense of pride in this strange friendship admiring the fine level brows the shadows on her eyelids slightly tinted with blue the well-turned nose the scarlet curve of her underlip and the firm line of her jaw and chin two outcasts they were he and she strangely met and more strangely linked in the common purpose of protecting the destinies of a decadent french gentleman whom jim horton had never seen and in whom he had no interest and piquette what was her motive her loyalty to de vautrin unlike that which she had shown for him was spasmodic actuated by no affection but only by the humor of the moment she did not love this man he had never been to her anything more than a convenience he smiled the word suggested a thought to him convenience was this relation of piquette to her patron any worse than those marriages of the ambitious girls of his own country without love often without hope of love to bring themselves up in the world piquette at least was honest with the patron and with herself the vows at the altar were sacred he knew how sacred now he had not dared to think of moira and he knew that it was well that piquette had kept his thoughts from her but now as his companion slept his arm around her slim figure he began to think of moira and the tragic decision that he had given her to make she had chosen to remain there in the rue de tavennes because that was the only home she knew and in the agony of her mind she felt that she must find sanctuary in her own room with her thoughts and her prayers and the love she bore him he knew was not a mere passing fancy born of their strange romance but a living flame of pure passion 
which could only be dimmed by her duty to her conscience but not extinguished piquette stirred slightly in her sleep and spoke his name mon jean she muttered and then settled herself more comfortably against his shoulder jim horton did not move for fear of awakening her but his gaze passed over her relaxed features and a generous wave of gratitude swept over him for all that she had done for him what a trump she was what a loyal little soul to help him with no hope of reward but the same kind of loyalty she had given him he must not fail her if there were only some way in which he could help her to happiness in sleep she was so gentle so childlike so confiding thinking of all that he owed her he bent over and kissed her gently on the brow she did not waken and jim horton raised his head then suddenly as if in response to an impulse looked at the small uncurtained window that let out upon the corridor of the carriage there two dark eyes stared at him as though fascinated from a pallid face the whiter for its frame of dusky hair the face of moira quinlevin he thought for a moment that the vision was a part of his obsession and for a second did not move and then started forward awakening piquette for behind the face in the obscurity of the corridor he made out another head and the iridescent eyes of barry quinlevin End of chapter 13